It's time for the Access of Easy podcast, the weekly technology digest that keeps you ahead of the curve. Brought to you by EasyDNS.com. Friends, welcome back. I almost ripped them with the friends and enemies there, Len. Welcome back to another episode of Access of Easy. This is number, as if I didn't have this up already, three, 338, 338, access of easy. I'm, I'm uh, happy between CBP. I know. <laughs> it's funny. I closed my email here. I always have the email up from uh, Tracy just to do the quotes and stuff. Anyway, good to see everybody. Len, good to see you too, buddy. What's going on? Yeah, just living a dream, man. It's getting ready for spring. It's getting warmer and warmer every day, more daylight every day. It's yeah, going to be very nice. It's been a good winter, by the way. Not much snow. And... Man, oh man, I still want to go play some golf, but it's knock been- on wood. I don't know why you're talking like this without knocking on any wood. We got like six weeks to go. If we can make it through six more weeks, we're good. We're I'm not good. superstitious, though. Whatever uh-huh. happens, happens. So superstition doesn't bother me. I'll break uh-huh. glass, I'll step on a crack. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Petting every black guy you see. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I make sure I walk past them multiple times. Yeah, so, <laughs> whatever uh, happens, well, happens. Fate will well. uh, dictate my life. Funny, funny, so, funny. Yeah, it's good, man. I'm glad to hear that. I, I noted to myself the other day driving to work uh, that I have made the change just solely based on weather and uh, internal desires that are beyond my conscious mind. I stopped listening to podcasts on the way to work. Now I'm blasting the music again. So I don't know. That's like a sign for me. That's like my in, my internal Groundhog Day clock. Winter's almost over. Sun's out longer. Day's getting longer. EDM is playing in the car on the way to work oh. instead of uh, the latest and greatest in data reach and over reach. And you should not do that, by the way, listener viewer. You should be listening to this podcast on the way to work. And I'm the inverse. When it gets warmer, I tend to listen to more podcasts because I'm out and about doing stuff. When I'm inside, which mm. I tend to be more in the wintertime, I'm doing other things than listening to podcasts. If you listen, if you look at my podcast playing, like the minutes I dedicate to listening to podcasts, right. drastically reduces in the wintertime. But in the summertime, it's just almost unlimited. Hmm. It's funny, we're the exact opposite. Yeah, that's weird. Guys. That's yeah. good. Hey, man, let's listen. Uh, differences make up uh, make make life spicy, right? I definitely botched that quote. But anyway, here's a quote I won't botch. Last week's quote of the week: All conflicts between people are a direct consequence of the division that exists inside of people. That was by Ivan Antich or Antic. I don't know how to say it. Antich. Nope. That's correct. Nobody got it, Len. So that's the first time anyone's ever uttered that name on air, and it may be the last. This week's quote. There is nothing to writing. All you do is sit down at a typewriter and bleed. That's by someone. If you know who it's by, listener viewer, make sure you say uh, who, who you think in the comment section, accessvz.com, and you get your next renewal on the house. There's some truth to that, by the way. I don't, I've been writing a little bit more for the Canadian Bitcoiners website, and I, I, I'll you know, cop to the fact that I've had some AI help. I personally prefer editing something to writing it, but I know that if I just put something down, it, the rest of the process will be easy, even if that beginning part is hard. Do you find the same? Are you are you much of a writer? I'm neither. I find mm. equal both of those tasks basically the same. I'm not fond of more fond of one than the other. So uh, they, they are they are what they are. So I don't, yeah. If I if I had to maybe pick one, maybe writing would be better. But that's just I'm just throwing a dart here. Who the heck knows? I just want to say this guy mentions typewriter. So basically, it's time stamping that the time in which he said this. So take this to heart, people. Uh, hopefully this will help you narrow down who it is that said it. Maybe he's one of these traditionalists who still bangs away at the typewriter. I have a mechanical keyboard, so I sympathize with that group. Anyway, we got uh, full slate here. 
bunch of stories, latest, greatest, data breaching, overreaching, as you know. Where do you want to start? There's QR codes, man. There's a scam going on out there with QR codes, and the FBI is alerting people about a new scam tactic that is exploiting the popularity of QR codes. And, you know, those little square barcodes, everybody's, they've used them, I suppose. If not, check it out, but be careful when you use it, by the way. I'll explain why. Now, these are designed to offer quick access to information. And typically, they have URLs associated with them, but it's not all the time. Well, these QR codes, they're being tampered with by cyber criminals. And it's being used to lure victims, unsuspecting victims, into digital traps. And it's doing so, well, just imagine, you're going to scan a QR code on a flyer that you see out there for maybe a local discount store. You're expecting a link, quick link to their website, and you know, you're excited to see what kind of deals you're able to get. But unwittingly, you've been redirected to a malicious website. And the deceptive web page you think is the real McCoy, well, they're crafted and such just to, to show that it is uh, a fake, but it's designed to steal your information. It, you know, when you put in your login credentials, financial information, all that stuff, it will take that. Also, there's a possibility that, that it could infect your device with harmful malware. And surprisingly, it's the FBI. They're the ones that are out there that are around, sounding the, the alarms here. They're urging people to exercise caution when you use QR codes and especially those that are found in the wild. So if you see a QR code attached to a lamppost, be careful when you scan it. If you do, make sure that it's the right thing. And you got to be trusting when you're dealing with these QR codes. And they even are saying here that if you are falling victim to a QR code scam, you have to, rep it's, you know, don't be hesitant to report this to the FBI's Internet Crime Compliance Center, the IC3. And they're de they have dedicated resources for these type of things. So I I'm not sure about people out there, how they use QR codes. Actually, I have a dedicated app for that. And it's actually an open source app that I got from, um, gosh, I forget the, the website. But anyways, it's an open source app that I have that I use to check it. And every time I do check a QR code, still, it doesn't automatically open up a, a URL. I look at it. I see what it what it is. And I, I'm always wary what is on there. I don't know why, but it's always the case. And similarly, when I use that for Bitcoin, typically in order to facilitate a Bitcoin transaction, you'd scan a QR code. That's typically how things are done. Still, I look at it and I make sure that a bunch of numbers match up to the original what I have scanned initially from my computer. So right. I'm very worried about QR cards. They are good. They make things very easy. But again, if you're lazy and you're just willy-nilly just scanning stuff, you could be subjected to a an attack. So it's the onus is on you to make sure that you're not just clicking on stuff that shouldn't be clicked on. These QR codes, they're great and all, but they come at a cost. I don't really like QR codes, to be honest with you. I don't think they're that great. They're kind of convenient, but like you mentioned there, there's just too much wiggle room. It's almost impossible for anyone who's not, you know, a spectrum dweller to identify differences in two QR codes at first glance. That's pretty important, you know. I would never just go to a website uh, and not, not check the address or not check the security or whatever, you know, in the browser tab or the browser window. This is really akin to that. And I'm not sure why people are still using these things, to be honest with you, Len. We talk a lot about how the security apparatus hasn't really kept up with the attack vectors that keep appearing in different uh, silos of your phone, your computer, your your uh, security setup, your VPN we've talked about before. Why do people think that this is any different? I don't know. Who's using, and also like who's using QR codes? I'm in my 30s. I haven't scanned a QR code in a long time. I see them at the gym. I see them on TV. I see them all over the place. They're basically trying to drive you to a product page or a service page most of the time. Or a social media page, I just don't care. Like I, I, I they don't really 
appeal to me as as a way to access information. Do they are, like? Are you a fan of them? I mean, this is a, a bit of a, I think, an odd thing. I don't think a lot of people are using these things the way that they're they were intended to be used years ago. They were all the rage, uh, maybe mid twenty tens, but now I I don't really hear a lot of people talking about them. To be honest with you, it's mostly for Bitcoin transactions. That's what I. That's see. it, right? So, Wallet addresses, it, yeah. Yeah. So when I purchase it from Bull Bitcoin, it asks for an address to be sent to. So that's what I tend to use it for. Other than that, um, just the odd one here and then just to, you know, I just took a look. So what I use is something called QR and barcode scanner. So mm -hmm. it's, I got that from Fdroids in case anybody's wondering, it's open source. You could analyze the code to make sure there's nothing going on with it. But yeah, I mean, in terms of the frequency I use, that very minimal. It's, yeah, it's I figured, I figured. Yeah. All right, French government, there's a story about them because they voted and passed a bill called this is translated, of course. The mm -hmm. bill to strengthen the fight against secretarian uh, excesses and improve the support of victims. It's so messed you're up. You're going to read the name? Zero? Zero out of five. Zero. <laughs> but one of the sections of this bill, and it's namely Article 4, that's the one that is contentious here. And that's the one people are looking at and saying, what the heck is going on? And they're dubbing this, this part of the bill, Article 4, as Pfizer Articles. Okay, so the gist of it is it is now a crime to push what is what they deem to be abandoned medical care. That's translated from the bill. So if you're critical of medical treatment through either speech or actions, remember speech or actions, you could be jailed up to one to three years and also find between 15,000 euros to 45,000 euros. That's a significant amount of money. And that's a decent amount of time you're spending in jail. And when I'm talking about actions, it's essentially trying to avoid recommended treatments such as imposed vaccine. So take this for what it's worth, right? So the problem of this, the bill, it's it's vague in its writing and how it's and how it can be interpreted. So if you're looking at the way it's written, it's very difficult to ascertain exactly what it is you're trying to achieve here. So because it's so vague, regulators, law enforcement, and judges, it's going to be a broad application in terms of how they're going to be looking at this and interpreting it. So it's going to be something that's going to have to be administered moving forward. And the judges will have the last say in this. And it's going to be interesting to see how the French courts handle this. When you have a bill that is not clearly defined, somebody then has to interpret it. And if it's a judge that's going to be imposing a sentence, it can have drastic implications on somebody's life. So I Personally, to me, I can't believe that they would allow and pass such vague text, vague, vague text in a bill. But this is the French government. I'm not familiar with how things operate over there. So this could be par for the course, or this could be an anomaly. I have no clue, but nonetheless, something very interesting. I think it's. I don't think it's par for the course. The big problem I have is with the first sentence here. The provocation to abandon or abstain from therapeutic or prophylactic medical treatment shall be punishable by one year's imprisonment, blah, blah, blah. What, what do they mean by provocation? If I think back to the COVID, you know, really peak COVID era, let's say, you know, 2020 and 2021, when the vaccines were rolling out uh, here in Canada and other places, there was a lot of talk about how saying things like eating healthy was a medical misinformation tactic, Do, you know, staying fit, taking vitamin D, taking, um, 
what was that thing Rogan was on? They were saying was horse paste or whatever, but is actually used, you know, all, all all over the world and has received a Nobel Prize in medicine for its effectiveness. I forget what it's called. Uh, hydroxychloroquine, right? Um, so now that I've listed all the buzzwords to get us banned from YouTube, I'll I'll continue with my argument here. Is it going to be fair? You know, are, is this law going to be applied fairly to somebody like me? Like, and I put myself squarely in this camp, honestly, Len. I, I will always favor like a, a natural defense over taking medication. It's not just for, you know, COVID-19 or whatever. But like when I get sick, I don't run to the store and start jamming down whatever over-the-counter meds I can find. I just have a little more coffee to get my heart going and <laughs> try and keep working out. <laughs> and like, you know, like I just try and stay in in the zone. And sometimes I become a little more irritable, but that's my wife's problem, not mine. And I don't ever run for the... um for the medication that everyone seems to be so willing to take. Is that going to be a problem? Like if I start pr promoting this sort of healthy lifestyle, because it was during COVID, is it going to be a problem going forward? I don't know. It really uh, depends is, on how they interpret it. it. It does. Right. And it's, it's backwards. Honestly, there's so many things that we would benefit from, uh, is, you know, where we would, we would see benefits, broad societal benefits from things like you know, I've joked in the past, like you should only be able to vote if you can squat 225 pounds. That's a joke, but it's sort of on the right track, honestly. And I, I look at like the, the way that this law is worded and there's more stuff in here. You know, the current state of medical knowledge. Like, what does that mean? What? Uh, why is that in the law? There is no current state. It's a constantly evolving thing. And I, I, I read this stuff and I think, yeah, maybe I'm a little too doomer, a little too tinfoil hat. It won't be applied this way. But I don't have that short of memory. I remember 20 and 21. It was applied this way. You were fired from your job. You were ostracized from society. You were banned from Twitter, Facebook for saying these things. Rogan was, you know, ostracized on every major media outlet. You know, I don't want to go down this path. And uh, I think the French people are right to be upset about this. I hope to see more protests. They love protesting more than they love, uh, you know, eating and drinking down there. So let's see what they got. Uh, vive la resistance. Right. That's the uh, that's the that's the term. I, I, I encourage them to be upset about this. I would be upset about this if it came here, wouldn't you? I mean, you don't have to answer that, but I would be upset. I would be upset cake. about it. That's yeah. what I would say. Let them eat cake. OK, sure. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> right, man, I can't talk much. I, I'll go on to the next story because we've got a lot to talk about today. And there is a video that's been released and it's actually it shows how. Bitcoin self-custody custody can be made so much easier. And I'm talking about the use of a cold card. Now, my daughter, Sabrina, and I, we sat down and I filmed her and she set up a cold card. What is a cold card? It is a signing device that's used for moving your Bitcoin out of your quote unquote wallet. And generally, cold cards are favorably regarded favorably because uh, of the fact that you can review the code and it's secure in a number of different reasons. But People think that using a cold card is challenging and difficult, but I proved it. My daughter, who's 10, was able to do it, set it up step by step, and she showed the process, including the three items you need in order to set it up. You need the cold card, an SD card, and some sort of device to hook up the SD card to a computer. And because I'm a huge fan of not hooking up your cold card to the computer, keeping it totally air gap. But yeah, she showed off how to set up the pin, generate the 24 words. And also how to receive Bitcoin using a program called Sparrow, which is somehow indirectly linked to your cold card. So anybody that wants to check it out, I'm not sure if it's going to be a link uh, on this uh, on this video or audio, but it's on the CanadianBitcoiners.com website. You can see it there or also check our YouTube channel 
And it just goes to show you it's not that hard to do self-custody with Bitcoin and to do it right. If a 10-year-old can do it, you can do it. There's a link in the newsletter, a link in the, ah. uh, yeah, a link in, probably a link in the show notes. Len, it's a 10-year-old, it's 10 minutes, and it's done. That's it. That's the security you need for your Bitcoin. All the times we've talked about how banks are being hacked, they're withholding funds. If you're a Bitcoiner, you know that they're restricting your access to exchanges and whatnot. This is this is easy stuff, man. So kudos to you, kudos to Sabrina. And if you haven't seen the video yet, you just you, you have to see it just for the visual of Sabrina in Len's chair, her head barely poking above the uh, <laughs> black border underneath the video. It's worth it. It's a, it's a good video. So kudos to you guys, man. She's growing by the day. So I, maybe next time we film it, she'll be a little bit higher. <laughs> yeah, YouTube, YouTube, they're facing a lot of backlash. Uh, Lewis Rossman, we talk about him periodically on, I guess, more so on Canadian Bitcoiners show. But even here, I think we've mentioned his name once or twice. But anyways, there's an ongoing battle between he and YouTube. And it's specifically because while well, YouTube is focusing their efforts to try to control content creators, mm -hmm. monetarily control them at that, which is huge. So YouTube... The backlash they're receiving is because it's the removal of videos. And it, this is showcasing Rossman. He was highlighting unique approaches to create some money, such as direct subscriptions and stuff like that. And this effectively bypasses the YouTube monetization system. And with this move, it shows that YouTube is very restrictive in terms of how content creators can actually put their content out using their platform and try to monetize that as well. And you know, obviously, people are, are upset with YouTube, but the thing is, we have to understand is YouTube is a centralized service. It's a giant. Unfortunately, it's now a large part of, of our lives. But still, if you want to play the game, you got to play by their rules. Yeah. The only alternative is you got to find or create an alternative platform. There aren't that many out there. Rumble is one that is right now in existence, but hasn't gained much traction. And there's a few other. Odyssey, I think, is another. But still, the reality is everybody flocks mostly to YouTube. It is an absolute giant and they have so much control over what can be put on their platform, including trying to stop ways to bypass or, or showing ways to bypass their monetization system. That's just the reality of it. It's too bad. I'm not in greens with it, but this is just unfortunately the way things are set up. Don't like it. Let's set something else up and try to promote it as much as possible. He he's one of my favorite YouTubers has been for a long time. And actually you and I uh, share that interest even without talking about it. Previously, we both know a little bit about Lewis and his journey. He's, he's quite a character, I will say. And uh, a guy who runs a repair shop and has taken on some huge, huge companies in terms of the rights repair legislation in the United States, principally Apple. He has tons of videos on how to get around Apple's kind of nonsense uh, proprietary repairs only at whatever cost we set or your device won't work policies. He's got this app called Gray J and the app in his words is meant to allow you, the viewer, the consumer to subscribe to creators and not to platforms. I really like that ethos and YouTube is not telling him he has to take down his app, but they are pulling the videos where he talks about it. And I think that's like, again, like <sighs> YouTube is a giant lens for sure. But the fact that they, like, there's not too many companies like YouTube, right? And I, I say this in a couple of ways. One, obviously, just the scale. But the other way I think that YouTube is unique is that it's a company everybody uses, but every single person is looking for a way to get away from. 
all the users want to get away from the way YouTube does business. The ads are too much. The cost is too much. The restrictions on speech and video content are too much. The monetization is not enough. Every single person who relies on YouTube, either consumer or producer or creator, wants to get away from it. There's not too many companies like that. And what, what this tells me, when they take down a video from Rossman, who's clearly one of the biggest creators in the space, I have a, a YouTube page just for fun. I, I went to, um, I, I opened a Tor browser uh, and went to YouTube. This is like two days ago. Rossman is on the front page there uh, for, for me when I'm not signed in, right? To me, that tells me there's, uh, there's a number of people watching his videos just based on the trending algorithm. And YouTube taking down videos where he advertises that you can do this kind of subscription stuff without going through YouTube, they're scared because uh, they realize, I think, that everybody wants to get away from their platform. And to me, that's a, that's a sign. I don't know what it's a sign of exactly that they're taking these videos down besides that they're afraid. But it's going to, you know, we, we talk about this in Bitcoin. We talk about this in security. We may as well talk about it with content, too. The, the monoliths can't pivot fast enough. And so they rely on censorship and silencing. And, you know, eventually we'll rely on legislative uh, capture as well to make sure that they stay at the top of the food chain. And uh, I think if you ignore this, it's you know, at your peril. One of the reasons I don't like iPhone, among the many reasons that I do, is that there is no sideloading of apps. So, you know, YouTube used to have like New Pipe and FTube and stuff like that on the uh, APK store that you could just sideload onto your Android phone and get away from advertising and subscription kind of nonsense that YouTube uh, puts up with or, or, or forces you to put up with. Are those apps still around on Android? Do you have any idea? Or are they basically like nerfed, neutered now? You can't even use them. It's YouTube only because of just all the different um, ways that they put the clamps down on third-party providers through the API. I have no idea. I haven't used that in years, so mm. I can't say if it's still available or not. But can't you sideload in the UK? Oh, sorry, in EU? You might yeah. be able to, but the question is like, what do you, can you sideload something that sidesteps all this stuff that YouTube doesn't? want you to sidestep. I honestly doubt it. The same way that Twitter locked down their API, right? You can't get TweetBot or TweetDeck or whatever anymore. Uh, they just don't work. So I, I'd be surprised. Anyway, I don't want to drag this out too long, but I am watching this story. I am a huge supporter of Lewis Rossman. I encourage everybody who's listening and watching to go check out his videos. He's a great content creator, great commentator, and uh, he seems like a guy I'd like to get a beer with, honestly. Um, I like him quite a bit. Well, you know, this is ultimately it's capitalism. If you like the product, use it. If you don't, don't use it. Yeah. And if people are still using it, regardless of whatever their restrictions are imposing on viewers and creators, it's there's no other option. There's no other option right now, right? No, there are options. You're not as good. That's right. that's probably the, the better way to okay. say it. Like, okay. So you can go to Rumble and watch stuff. Is it as good? Probably not. But the, the options exist. But if people aren't actively a posting or be watching Rumble. Well, they're voting with their time to watch it on YouTube, and that is capitalism at its finest. Now, the, whatever restrictions they want, we may not like it, but again, if you're still watching it, you're condoning it. Mm -hmm. That's the reality. And so they, 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 they'll push this narrative as far as they want. I know I don't want to beat this story with a death, to death, but there's somebody I follow, Carl Jobs, and he does a lot of speedrunning videos and everything. I love speedrunning videos. He does a really good job, by the way, and he's getting—he uh, is currently getting sued by one Billy Mitchell. If you know who he is, it's a interesting. I don't want to talk too much about it because he's very litigious. But anyways, <laughs> Carl Jobs—he because his lawsuit was very costly, it's costing him hundreds of thousands of dollars in Australian money, mm -hmm. and obviously that's a huge strain for him. He had to pivot his his content to maximize the amount of money he was going to receive. So rather than putting stuff out that he liked, 
that stuff that he enjoyed that probably may not have given him as much money in terms of from YouTube. He was pivoting to put out content that maximized how much money he he could generate to help pay his legal bills. Hmm. So there you go. Through monetization and the amount of money you get, it will dictate what content creators can do. Yes. If you don't like it, go somewhere else. And that's all I got to say because th th there are some options, maybe not as fancy and as sexy as youtube but they are op there are options available both with your time you're seeing you it. it you're kind of seeing it right like I, I follow a lot of sports media content and barstool has a, an exclusive agreement with rumble for their content so all the barstool Ooh. stuff is on rumble they're a huge huge content house right uh portnoy obviously famous for a number of reasons some good some bad but yeah anyway not to drag it out let's uh let's move on now the, there's a recent ruling by the european court of human rights this is the e c h r and this ruling came down and was related to encryption. Very interesting, this ruling. And they said that it is illegal for governments to compel companies to weaken encryption standards. And this decision has significant implications, including the laws in the UK, because there's one that's proposed, a bill called the Chat Control Bill. And that's going to would mandate scanning communications for illegal content. So it would enable the government to potentially bypass or overcome these encryption standards to look at information on our phones and so forth. So the weakening of the encryption, it think about it, it this would impose a significant threat to user privacy and vulnerabilities would then be exposed to malicious actors out there or criminals to take advantage of. And also another thing to consider when you have strong encryption, sensitive information can be passed. Well, you'd be more willing to, to pass it as sensitive information on such as financial data or personal communications. Mm -hmm. And you'd be less so if it, it would be less private, of course, and that's going to be more restrictive to the end user. So there are people that are opposing this ruling from the e, say ECHR, and they argue that it hinders law enforcement to combat serious crimes such as terrorism and child sex abuse. And they believe that there is some form of encryption communications, at least the ability to overcome that is necessary to investigate some of these crimes, including some of it that is being involved, that is being perpetrated by Russian actors. Unreal. So I, I can understand how many buzzwords can they cram in there? Honest <laughs> to God, how many buzzwords can they cram in there? Uh, th this may end up coming here to our shore. So uh, I'm gonna that. So yeah, I can understand both sides of the argument. And uh, right now, fortunately, though, you're not impacted as long as you're using a credible piece of software like Signal, for example. Oh, by the way, Signal is going to be moving away from being forced to provide your phone number. You could simply just use a handle or something along those lines. So that is a huge step in the right direction for people that are using Signal. But you know what? Even with Signal, I still suspect that governments may have found a way to crack that. That's just my opinion. Did you see, okay, so let's talk about the story first. And then I just want to mention um, something that I saw the other day that I want to discuss with you. If I could get my bookmarks thing to work, but of course it's, uh, you know, notoriously difficult here. So this whole thing about, like I just mentioned, the buzzwords, it's porn, it's kids, it's terrorism, it's Russia. I mean, come on, give me a break. No one believes this. You shouldn't ever have to give up your encryption, especially on your mobile device. There is no uh, rationale for this that would ever convince me otherwise. If they were really serious about preventing some of these things, we would do simple stuff like check people's backgrounds at the border when they immigrate illegally, stuff like that, right? 
Um, we're not doing that. The U.S. is not doing that. I assume the U.K. is the same. These problems are popping up all over the place. We're not unique in that manner. Uh, I do expect it to come to our shores. Polyev obviously making news this week for talking about uh, the requirement for people to verify their age online before looking at pornography. We've talked about how much of a wedge that can be into a digital ID system. I don't think that's too far-fetched or far afield. Now let's talk a bit about encryption, okay? When I look at the encryption landscape, what are the apps, Len? It's, you know, WhatsApp, Signal, Telegram, iMessage, and there's probably a couple of other ones like Session and whatnot that are kind of Bitcoin focused and cost Satoshis for use and whatnot. Did you see the other day that uh, Apple moved forward with their iMessage um, encryption model? So what they, they they are arguably now the most advanced encryption product on the market. And what they've done is they've ensured that if you're ever compromised, if, you're, if your key is ever compromised, it does something called forward ratcheting. So your encryption key is always changing. It'll only ever be valid for a minute or two. And then after that, the key changes another time. And the, the phones, I guess, update this between each other separately from a, a server, which is something I didn't even notice before. You can actually in, you can enable that feature in iMessage to have a secret kind of um, security measure enabled between you and whatever other iMessage number you're, you're talking to. The, the, the reason I mentioned that is because it seems to me that much like the monetary system is starting to show uh, cracks in its armor in terms of the players who are supporting alternatives, think about the Bitcoin ETFs and the issuers there, I think that encryption is going to go the same way. And courts will rule against stuff like this, and some may rule for it. Governments may may caw and scream about you know protecting certain vulnerable parties, but I just don't think that companies who do encryption are going to go backwards because there's just it's such a moving target now that anyone can enable SHA-256 level encryption on on messaging or data or whatever with basically no difficulty at all. You know, you watch a YouTube video and do it yourself. I don't see this going the other way. I'm very happy to 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 see this story about the um, the human rights court uh, declaring this illegal, and I expect to see similar motions other places because these guys don't want to have egg on their face any more than anybody else. And I think any competent person can kind of see that the tech has gotten away from the legislation at this point. Law enforcement will suffer. Yes, I I, I admit to that, and I I will grant you that. But the alternative cannot be that you get a peek into everybody's personal life vis-a-vis -vis their phone or device. It's just not an option. So I'm, I'm happy to see this. There's been a critical vulnerability that's been discovered in DNSSEC, and this is called Keytrap. And this is an exploit to launch a denial of service attack against DNS revolvers. The vulnerability exists because DNSSEC requires revolvers to validate responses by trying all possible keys and signatures. So an attacker can create a response with many invalid keys and signatures, forcing the revolver to do unnecessary work and exhaust its resources. And as a result, this could stall the revolver for up to 16 hours, effectively disabling the internet access for users. So the vulnerability was discovered by researchers from the National Research Center for Applied Cybersecurity, and this was in Germany. And this affects all DNSSEC validating DNS revolvers, including those by major internet service providers and content delivery networks. And this can be, as I mentioned, exploited by actors to disrupt internet access 
for a wide variety of users, including businesses, governments, and individuals. And there are a number of mitigating strategies that can be imposed or implemented to protect against the heat trap attacks, but no single solution is perfect. And some of these mitigating strategies include installing security patches, configuring DNS revolvers to use specific algorithms, and deploying additional security members. But one easy way to protect yourself is to be an easy DNS customer, because the reason is they do not use DNS revolvers. And as such, they're not at risk for this type of attack. And your website could stay up and won't be taken down by this method. So yeah, there you go. Another good reason why, if you're not yet a, a customer of EasyDNS, certainly consider it. And I would suggest moving your business there. Right not away. being a customer of EasyDNS is definitely something that will lead to your eventual downfall. So if you don't move over, you're, you're in a bold little trouble. I don't have anything else to add to that. Mark is taking care of everything there for, uh, for you and me. So great. Let's move on. Okay, this uh, oh, this is interesting because people are rallying behind this, you know, the Taylor Swift debate that was some time ago. Yeah, and it's a way this they're being used as a way to change legislation to combat the creation and distribution of this because I I don't know, man, it, this is messed up. So think about this: if they're going to change legislation and make it much more challenging for people to even use AI and whatever. Do we really need one of these digital safety czars that could have broad powers out there to take down whatever content they want? No. Potentially limit speech through censorship? No. In fact, even former CRTC commissioner Peter Menzies, he suggests proposing amending Section 162 of the criminal code as a way to try to achieve what they want to achieve without having too much broad powers. And by doing this amendment, it would make it explicitly illegal to use deepfake to create non-consensual pornography. And it would provide clear framework for addressing the issue, but it would also avoid potential infringements on freedom of speech. This is a very complex issue. This is something that is just developing. Many people are being impacted as a result and in fact because it's taylor swift i don't know how she became so popular but there's you know the fact that you do something with her that's against her you're gonna have to deal with all what do they call them swifties or what the fuck it is but yeah. anyways it's just it drives me bonkers that you you're using this as a way to try to push a way to to push legislation to impose less freedom of speech and th more censorship i don't like it but you know what this is the world we live in and i'm gonna have to adhere to it but i'll do what i can to fight this type of legislation yeah i'm, I'm totally out on this by the way i've seen the deep fakes uh a handful of them anyway it's not like they're even good like i don't know what kind of like you know deranged individual looks at that and gets his rocks off but it's it's just it's the, the thing we have to be careful about with ai is that you are lending you're you're putting yourself in a position as a, as a an electorate right you're putting yourself in a position where the government will say that these things are illegal they're creating harm you know they'll use the same words as always i think children pornography terrorism misinformation blah 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 hurt and harm is is in this article from menzies i, I don't i don't think it matters honestly like i i, I don't ever want to see as he describes these are his words by the way ready fire aim powers looking down at anything that I'm writing, reading, consuming, creating, and telling me that it's not appropriate. Let the market decide. That's one, you know, that, that is really the common theme here with a lot of stuff we talk about, whether it's in money or in, uh, you know, information, it's, it's a market of, 
of freedom and free ideas and free actors, rational actors, as the term is, as the term goes, making decisions about what they consume, where they spend their money, and where they spend their time. And maybe more importantly, Len, as you've mentioned a few times over the months, uh, last few months, where you plant your flag, right? You know, if this kind of stuff keeps happening here and in the States, then you got to go somewhere else, I think. You know, it's difficult to raise a family in this environment, difficult to do a lot of things in this environment. So I hope this doesn't get any traction. But as I mentioned last week, I do expect the digital IDs to take hold here. And this is not too far, too much further down the road, right? It's not a difficult thing to envision. Once you have one, it's much easier to, to launch some of these other programs. So you know, difficult, um, difficult to stomach, but I think it's probably something that's in the pipeline. Question is how long is the pipeline? I think you and me may disagree on that. I think it's pretty, pretty short. You know, we're looking at uh, two or three years. That's a point of contention between you guys. But either way, it's, it's time to start looking into purchasing a small island in the Caribbean and setting up <laughs> shop over there. <laughs> I wonder if we do so, does Amazon deliver? And if so, how long does it take? But either I don't way, think, I, I'll probably cancel my Prime membership if we end up moving to the Caribbean. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. Still, it's a net gain, I, I believe. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll scout it out this weekend. Yeah. Is that it? Are we done? That's the end of the... Uh... Yeah, man. Great. Okay. Thanks, everyone, for coming back. That was uh, another Access of Easy for you guys. Don't forget... Read the newsletter, accessofeasy.com. You can go there, subscribe, and get this uh, good stuff in your email every week, just like we do, except you'll get it a day or two later. Uh, subscribe on YouTube, Access of Easy, or wherever you get your podcasts and listen to the latest and greatest in data breaching and overreaching every week. Great way to sum up uh, some of the important stuff from the week that was. So until next time, I'm Joey, that's Len, and uh, we'll see you. Take care.